ready. Expecting. Amen. Amen. Let's just worship the Lord this day.
Amen. Lord Jesus, we thank you, Lord, for the opportunity, Lord, to be in your house this morning. Lord, we thank you, Lord, for the mercies you bestow upon us, mighty God. Lord, we ask that you be with us in the service this morning. Lord, bless your teaching, Lord. Bless the pastor, Lord. We ask that you let our hearts be ready to receive. Lord, I ask for a good memory, mighty God. Be with us, Lord, throughout this day. Just ask in your precious name.
Just a few announcements this morning. Um, we are trying to secure the armory for uh, New Year's Eve. We haven't heard back from them yet. Uh, we're just waiting to hear back. I guess the way it sounds is that uh, it's available, but they just wanted to confirm it with their who was ever in charge. And so we're waiting to hear back from them. So in the event we get okay for over there, then we'll be we'll have everything over there. We'll start out and then our usual uh, activities that we have on New Year's Eve uh, over there at the Armory. And then uh, we will be having the Lord's Supper Sunday morning. Sunday morning service will be the Lord's Supper and foot washing only and then regular service at 2 o'clock uh, that Sunday. That's the second. So be advised about that and then uh, hopefully we will be hearing back from them just this week. So, Amen. That would be nice. And of course we'll be doing the white elephant again. So, um, be sure to bring your gifts. If you're able to buy a gift, then go ahead and buy a gift. But don't worry about it if you can't. Praise God. Praise the Lord. Looking forward to some good fellowship and uh, bringing in a new year. Hallelujah. It's hard to believe it's already here. Amen. So already here mm -hmm. upon us. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Lord. And there's, they, there won't be any uh, uh, adult, uh, the, uh, teenage class today, the younger younger adults. So I call them adolescents. Or, mm -hmm. <laughs> but there will be, as far as the, the younger ones, uh, the, the toddler class. They will be having Sunday school this morning, so you can be dismissed. Praise God. So all you young people have to remain in here. Praise Thank God. You, Jesus. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. That's a pretty advanced class from what I hear. Pretty advanced class. Amen. 
I was watching something on uh, YouTube yesterday, and of course, uh, you know, I always try to keep myself informed as far as what's going on over there in Israel, everything that's taking place over there. Sometimes we get distracted by all the other uh, things that are happening in the world, the national, on the national scene. And, but I, something caught my eye, so I just thought I'd watch it and see what was going on. And of course, uh, Jews uh, on the in the month of uh, Av, they, um, on the 9th of Av, uh, which is uh, not a, a feast day or anything, but it's just a night, it's just, it's just a date that, uh, that's something, uh, that the first temple, Solomon's temple, which was destroyed by the Babylonians, all of you know that, and then, and then the second temple was destroyed by the Romans, and so that's kind of a memorial, it's a date that, kind of commemorates the destruction of the temple and so the Jews make a they're allowed to go in there and, and walk around the, the temple precinct they can't get close to the where the dome of the rock is but they can walk around and when they do they 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 uh, just say their prayers and, and in a sense it's to mourn and so they say their prayers and, and quote certain passages of of psalms as they go around stopping at different locations and then offering up a few prayers and going on and they do that just to um, remember what has taken place and, and of course you know looking forward to the day that once again they can occupy uh, the temple mount and that the temple can be rebuilt and they talk about it like it's going to happen and, and probably will as far as scripture is concerned uh, when you read the Bible, it's obvious that the temple's going to, there's going to be a temple there, Amen. and they're going to, uh, for for just a, a, a short span of time, a few years, they're going to be able to go back in and, and uh, offer up their sacrifices again, but that's not going to last long, so that's what they're looking forward to. But what really caught me is just their, the way they feel and their emotions concerning this and how they're really you know, realize that uh, what they had as far as the covenant they had and what they look forward to and just their connection to it, it's just it's something to see, just to just to feel that, uh, I guess you can say, uh, you can feel the burden on their soul and something that they, obviously they, they love dearly. Of course, these are descendants mm -hmm. of the Jews. And, uh, mm -hmm. But it just... Uh, you know, just brings you to that that place of of, of knowing what it is to really uh, be disconnected from something that you believe, your faith, and and even the temple itself, and and not you know not uh, really being able to exercise their you know what they really want to do, their love for God and uh, the covenant that they obviously they they made with Him. Of course, we know that. Uh, that covenant is no longer in effect. It's been, uh, it's come to its end. It's come to the purpose it was going to serve. And now there's a new testament, a new covenant. There's going to be a day when they're going to come to that understanding, that revelation. And that's going to be an awesome day, isn't it? Some yes. even now, Amen. some even now, some Messianic Jews even now understand what that is and what the new covenant is. But uh, looking forward to that time when. Uh, 
they could all be gathered together, of course, to worship in that place. And of course, uh, at the at the beginning of the millennial reign of Jesus Christ, and how the church comes into that place, you know, after the seventh week of Daniel, how we come into that place where we can worship with them in the Feast of Tabernacles, celebrating the Feast of Tabernacles. That's going to be amazing, isn't it? Yes. So I was, I was in my mind, I was just trying to picture that. And as they walked around, of course, they stopped different locations and whoever was holding the camera would point it to where the temple, where they said the temple was, where it was located. And, and, and of course, they would say their prayers. But uh, there was opposition there. Uh, obviously, Muslim clerics that didn't want them, they would just allow them a certain amount of time to do that. And of course, some of them didn't want them there and they were met with some opposition and and uh, as as the guy that was doing the reporting said that uh, the earlier groups were greeted with stones being thrown at them <laughs> so that's that's the relationship between amen the Jews and the Muslims there of course we understand this we understand this the Muslims have no right being there and something that happened of course back in the time period of the Ottoman Empire when uh, they built the, the mosque there and everything so but the Jews have legal right to be there because that belongs to them that was given to them by the Lord so that's really amazing to to think about that and amen to understand that that connection and that relationship how would you feel if your relationship with God was severed. Mm -hmm. Right. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> That's something. Mm -hmm. Think about everything that you uh, believed in. And of course, you know, uh, we know this. Jesus was talking to the Samaritan woman. And he said that uh, when he was talking to her, he said, you know, the hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers, true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. You will neither worship him on this mountain or, or even in Jerusalem. He's talking about the Temple Mount because the true worshipers are going to worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Mm -hmm. Of course, we understand that now we can worship him in spirit and in truth. We have that liberty to do that. We can lift him up and give him glory and honor. That's the whole thing about this covenant. Amen. Amen. We have access that that particular area, the holy holies by the blood of Jesus Christ, and here we are, worshiping Him. We're standing in His presence, worshiping Him. So that's something that's beautiful, something that we we, Amen, should not take for granted. So whatever it is that may stand between us and God, Hallelujah. We need to always keep ourselves in a place with God where there will be no uh, disconnection from Him. Mm -hmm. Our salvation will always be intact. That's beautiful, isn't it? Mm -hmm. And uh, mm -hmm. when you think about it, when you think about what He's He's doing, um, uh, go with me in the book of Romans, if you would, uh, chapter 1. The book of Romans chapter 1.
And you see there in the book of Romans chapter 1, he says in, in verse number 16, For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. <laughs> who hold the truth in unrighteousness. So you think about that. Of course, we, we, we can take a look at who Paul's writing to. He's, also, he's writing to the church at Rome, but he's also not just speaking to the church at Rome. He's speaking to all mankind because we all in, in a, you know, have an idea. We all have an idea that there is a God. There is a God. Alright? But we know who that God is, don't we? And, and he says, Because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has showed it unto them. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made even his eternal power and Godhead so that they are without excuse. My. So even to understand what it is about him, his, his person. His person. Amen. His eternal power and, and Godhead. So they are without excuse. Even to know that. Our minds can allude to that and we think about it. And deep deep in, 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 in the you know the recesses of our heart and minds, I believe this every person, every person can connect to the thought that there is a God. Amen. They connect to that thought that there is a God. How many have ever felt that in your life Amen. growing up? Amen. I remember I was sitting where I was sitting in the church that we attended and every once in a while you know, my mind would stray and sometimes to thoughts that, you know, I shouldn't have been thinking, but there are also times when I begin to think about God and, and begin to think about Him. I obviously realized that when I thought about Him, my thoughts always came to a place that when I thought about Him, I realized this in my mind. My mind said this, that there was just one God. There is a God, and He's one God. He's not several. He's not many. He's one. So my mind would always elude to that, to that. And you know what? That's because obviously in us, because we're his creation. He created us. We were created in his image. That's something about mankind, even though how much they try to stray away from the truth. God obviously have, has left his stamp, his mark in us. You know why? Because we're created in his image. So as a result of that happening and, and because the way we are, our being, we always tend to think that there is just one God. Mm -hmm. Amen. Amen. 
Praise God. That's beautiful, isn't it? Yes. For the invisible things of Him from the creation of the world are clearly seen. If you would pay attention to your conscious, your mind, if you would pay attention, it's connected to your human spirit. (laughs) You ever notice that? Mm -hmm. You can make a distinction between your human spirit, your your conscious, your consciousness, your conscience, and you can make a you can make a distinction between your flesh. Mm-hmm. Here's the reason why I say this. Because you know when your flesh is trying to dictate what you should do. Mm-hmm. Right. Yep. Amen. And you know what? You never feel conviction. Right. A red flag never goes up when you're in the flesh. Wow. It's impulsive. It does what it wants to do. So just on impulse, we react to the flesh and we do what our flesh wants us to do. Mm-hmm. But whenever, amen, it, it's, we, we feel something and it's through our conscious, our, our, our mind, guess what? We, we know it's connected to our human spirit because guess what happens? We feel conviction. Mm-hmm. Amen. That's right. Mm-hmm. There's a red flag that goes up and tells us, hey, <laughs> mm-hmm. don't do that. Because that's your spirit telling you, amen, not to do that. So obviously there is some relationship that there's, as, as science always says, that there's a correlation there. But you know why? It's because that's how we're connected to God, by our spirit. Amen. amen. Mm-hmm. So that's why I believe the Apostle Paul said that. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen. We, we understand that. We see that. Because of, amen, what God has put in us. There are some things that are innate in us because God created us in His image. Right. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. I, 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 I don't like being, uh, how would I say? I do, you know, I don't love, I don't like debate. Amen. That's right. <laughs> I, don't, I, I don't like argument. Of course, I'm getting on in years now where all I love to, the area I like to just be in is just to be able to to enjoy God's peace and His love and, and joy. Amen. So, so I, I, you know, that's that's the area I, I just love to. Uh, that's what I want in, in my being. That's what I want in my environment. I just love that peace and quiet, mm-hmm. if you know what I mean. Amen. Just to feel God's grace. I mean... Amen. But when certain things come in and they start to kind of rouse my spirit and even my environment. And a lot of times that happens. How many of you experience that? Mm -hmm. Certain things come in and they try to disturb your peace. Mm -hmm. And you don't like it. You know, you say, hmm. And we can be passive about it. And we can say, okay, we'll just, I'll just leave it alone. Maybe it'll go away. But there's some things that don't go away. Right. (laughs) We're living in a world where, guess what? It's. It's a borderline between being passive and then being passive aggressive. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yep. Yeah, you know what? Because of the world we live in, right. and because of what everybody in this world thinks, right. Ooh. because of their opinions, mm-hmm. because of their beliefs, their belief system. 
their belief system. Whenever, you know, we used to address clients in, in, uh, in, in um, treatment, one of the things that is always recognizable in a person and in the individual is their belief system, what they believe in. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Here's the thing. Some people believe in certain things. They believe in certain philosophies and uh, whatever it is that they, you know, try to live by. And, and when you ask them and you say, uh, you know, obviously, what's your belief? You, you, what's your belief? And they'll tell you what their belief is and they go on. Here's, here's the thing about this. Now, pay attention to this because this is something that I found that was really uh, amazing to me is a lot of people, when they say they believe in something, if they have a philosophy, if there's an opinion that they like, love to embrace, a teaching, and, and they say they believe in it, you'll be surprised at how many of them don't really follow that belief. They don't follow it. So they don't believe it entirely. So every time that, you know, we see that and we try to identify this, is, and when you bring it to the attention, they realize, you know, they look and they go, look at you funny, and they go, what are you talking about? Well, obviously, if you believe what you believe, you would be adhering to it 100%. Right. Yeah. Are you understand what I'm saying? Yes. That's the way it should be with us, you and I. Yes. The things that we believe in about God, we should believe in 100%. It's, it's not up to us to choose what we want to believe. Mm -hmm. Because the Bible says all scripture. Mm -hmm. Not some. Amen. All scripture. Mm -hmm. So when you think about that, when you think about the world that we live in, there's some people that, you know, because of what they believe and, and amen, the way that they choose to live, sometimes, you know, we could try to somehow separate ourselves from that kind of influence, but it's impossible when it's all around us. So there's always going to be a, a and I don't, I don't believe in chance, but there's always going to be, be a chance of, I'll say it in that way, that sometimes we're going to confront whatever it is. But here's the thing. Uh, this always gets people when I talk to them about it, they look at me like, they look at me like, you know, how, how do you know that? Well, guess what? Uh, even though we're different colors as far as our skin is concerned, I said, you know what? We're human beings. That's the only difference between you and I. Amen. And, and we, you know, the world calls it you know, a difference and the word diversity comes into place and all this kind of different, being different. But if you really look at it, even though we're not the same color of skin and everything like that, we're still the same similitude. Yes. Amen. Right. Whether, regardless if you're uh, white or black or brown or red or purple or blue, yeah. right. whatever color you are, right. yellow, That's right. amen. Yes. Thank you, Jesus. Mm -hmm. Why is that? <laughs> Even though there's that there's that difference and there's that division amongst humanity, guess what? We we all consist of the same thing. We all have a spirit. We all have a soul. We all have a body. Mm -hmm. We all have emotions, don't we? Mm -hmm. So basically, it's the same. It's just 
our belief system, what we believe. But here's the thing about it. We're, we're living in a period of time, and it's like Paul says. Paul says this, that all the things of God, even the invisible things of God from creation, Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The invisible things of Him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even His eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Wouldn't it have been something I was sharing with these brethren one day. I was reading an excerpt from uh, Rome, Roman history, Roman antiquities, Roman history. And it was the uh, testimony of Pontius Pilate during his uh, tenor or his stay in what they call Palestine. That's of course, Israel, and everything that he experienced there. So he gave his account of, you know, what he went through as as the governor, the Roman governor there of Israel, in, in Judea. And one of the things that one of the things that was just he talked about that uh, he said something that he never realized this before. He said, but he was impacted by a young man uh, that was an Israelite, and he called him Jesus of Nazareth, and he just kind of went into his whole history of where he was from and everything, And but he talked about his, his, his meeting that young man, of course, very brief, the time that he met him, but he said there was something about that young man. He said that when you looked at him, you knew there was something special about him, something very significant about him. And he said, I was just so overtaken, I was overwhelmed and taken by not just the way he his speech was, but his whole... Uh, character and everything about him he said that and his his knowledge and his wisdom he said was beyond any any young person of his age mm -hmm. wow. and he described him he gave him he gave a physical description that's the first time I ever heard anybody testify about how Jesus looked mm -hmm. and he described him and he said the thing about it he said when you looked into that young man's eyes he said it was really something because it was like his eyes were looking into you And so even people that did not know, even his own people didn't know him. When he came in the flesh, his own people didn't realize who he was. Even his disciples, all those three and a half years that they were with him, they struggled with it. They struggled with his identity and who he was. They seen the miracles. They seen everything that happened and they began to realize there's something about this Jesus of Nazareth. What is it about him? Obviously, everything about him, amen, it, it was very evident. It was manifested, everything that he did. What man on earth could do the things that Jesus Christ did? Amen. Amen. And so they were privileged. I say this. They were privileged to know him in the flesh. We all know each other in the flesh, don't we? Yes. Amen. We, we, we can identify we know who you are just by the way you look. But it's not just the flesh. It's something deeper than the flesh. It's the spiritual things. Mm -hmm. 
It's the spiritual things that we should be looking at. Not just the carnal things. My connection with you shouldn't be a carnal connection. It should be a spiritual connection. That's how we should look at one another. In the things of God. Because that's a deeper relationship than we could ever have with anybody. But here were the, here were the things. And you, you wonder why Paul said that. For the invisible things of him. God, obviously when you read the Old Testament, he was an, an invisible God. But when he came to earth, he made himself visible. Amen. When you looked into the face of Jesus Christ, you were looking into the face of God. So they were very privileged to, to have that relationship with him and know him and walk with him those three and a half years and amen, have fellowship with him, sit down and eat with him, drink with him, pray with him, fast with him, cry with him. Woo! God made himself visible. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. How would that, how would that uh, affect us? How would we be moved by that fellowship, by that relationship? Here's, here's something. We know he's our friend, don't we? He's our friend, and the Bible says, amen, that there's a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. So we have that special relationship. But let me tell you something. He's not just our friend. He actually is, amen, our Heavenly Father. Because of what He did for us, He became our Heavenly Father. Amen. He was the Father. Look what He told Philip. Philip said, hey, Lord, show us the Father and that will suffice us. We'll be satisfied if He shows the Father. Jesus says, hey, come on, Philip. I've been this long with you, and, and you, you do not know when you've seen me. You've seen the Father. Right, man. Right. So obviously, you know, here's the thing extraordinary about, about this God. Obviously, he is the Father. He's the Father of all creation. Yes. He's the Father of all mankind. He's, yes. he's the Father. He created this whole world we live in. Yes. Yes. But he came to earth. He manifested himself in flesh, amen, as the person of Jesus Christ. Yes. So when they had that, amen, that connection with him, amen, he was, it wasn't just a, a mere man. He was the God-man. So how would that, if you lived back then, how would that have affected you? <laughs> would that have made a difference for some of you? To follow him? Would it have proved your loyalty to him? To follow him? He came, and you know, just like he said, I didn't come to bring peace, I came to bring a sword. Yeah, that's, right. <laughs> yeah, that's, right. that's the way it is right now. There's so many things that are, how would I say, issues, yep. beliefs. Huh? Traditions, customs, philosophies, lifestyles huh? that can separate us from God. So when he came, that was the truth. When he, when he presented himself, that was the truth he brought. He said, I'm not come to bring peace, but I came to bring a sword. 
Praise God. Amen. Hallelujah. So I wonder if that would have really made a difference for us. Look at Judah. I mean, look at uh, uh, Judas Iscariot. Scripture to you, and if, even if they want you to try to quote that scripture, you ever get a blank mind sometimes? Like, you have to think about it. And, oh, okay, okay, that, I remember now. Sometimes it's that way. I mean, I, I, my mind is needs uh, to be quickened every now and then. It's not as quick as it used to be. Something would come to me in a flash, and I would just right off the top of my head, I would just go go take off. But seems like, Amen. The wheels are turning a little bit slow. But you, you see here in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse number 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, the Shema. And thou shalt love the Lord. He's one, he's one, he's one. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one one, one. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart and with all thy soul and with all thy might. Hallelujah. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. So the Lord, he is one. He is one. And as so many people like to reflect on that and they go back, well, that was the Old Testament. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> well, you think about it. Obviously, yes, that was something that they were to be taught, <clears throat> something that they had to amen do to to teach themselves that there was only one God and there is just one God. And Mark, Mark chapter 12 and in, in verse number 28, we see this where, amen, uh, Jesus is the one talking here and he says, uh, and, and, and it says this, and one of the scribes came and having heard them reasoning together and perceiving that he had answered them well, asked him, what is the first commandment of all? Woo. So here's Jesus. Somebody asked him a question. What is the, what is the, amen, first commandment of all? Which is the first commandment of all? Well, first and foremost, first of all, when it comes to God, your first understanding of, of God is this, that, that he's one. And that's what Jesus said. The first of all the commandments is here, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Mm -hmm. He is one. There's only one of Him. Mm -hmm. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind, and with all thy strength, for this is the first commandment. So the first commandment of all is this. Uh... The Christian world would be in a lot of trouble right now. The, and when I say the Christian world, you know what I'm talking about. Because right off the bat, they're breaking the first commandment. Yes. Amen. Woo. 
They're not acknowledging him as one God. They're not acknowledging him as one. I have yet to find the word Trinity in the Bible. Triune. I've heard people try to dance around the Hebrew and the Greek. Try to insert certain adjectives and verbs saying that this is the reason why there's a trinity. There's no such thing as the trinity. Right. Amen. That's right. Amen. Praise God. It would be evident. Yes. Because he said it was evident. He put it all in black and white when he said the Lord thy God is one. Yes. Amen. Now if there was three he would have said there is three. There's a trinity of the Godhead. No there's not. So, so the understanding is this, and I, and I know this, you know, that's why, that's why Paul said that in Romans, the scripture, that it is without excuse. Mm -hmm. Right. That's right. Mm -hmm. Amen. So you think about that. You go over to Isaiah 44, and uh, praise God. Uh, just something just to, I guess, bring into remembrance to remind you. You probably all know it already, but I'm just reminding you. <clears throat> In Isaiah 44, we're still talking about the one God. And verse number, uh, uh, hallelujah, 6. Thus saith the Lord, the King of Israel and his Redeemer, the Lord of hosts. I am the first and I am the last. And beside me there is no God. Amen. I am the first and I am the last. Beside me there is no God. You go over to uh, uh, Amen. Then he says, Fear ye not, neither be afraid. Have not I told thee from that time, and have declared it? Even ye, ye are even my witnesses. Is there a God beside me? Yea, there is no God. I know not any. Mm -hmm. Amen. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Look to the left and look to the right. So when you think about that, he said, ye are my witnesses. <laughs> I always remember asking a relative of mine who was a medicine man. And when I asked him, I said, uh, what is the literal translation interpretation of Wakantanka? Well, he said the literal, the first, the first one. He said the ones that we used to, that ones that we used. He said uh, was this. Uh, he said they called him the great mystery, and, and he said it like that. They called him. <laughs> so how did he know him? And I said, yeah, that's what I heard. And I said, well, why did they call him the great mystery then? He said, because there was a lot that we did not know about him. 
but we knew that he was the one that created this world that we live in. So I said, yep. He said, and then the other definition is Wakantaka. He said, because of the Christian influence, they use that to basically say that his spirit is big. Wakantanka. His spirit is holy and it's big. Wow. So you think about that. Even man, that's why I say, it's not without excuse. Even man in his mind knows that that is a truth about God. He does exist. And he is one. Praise God. So when you when you take a look at that in that sense, and that's what he said, fear not, neither be afraid. Have not I told thee from that time and have declared it? Ye are even my witnesses. What did, what did Paul say that? What did Paul say? For the, for the invisible things, even from the creation. Mm-hmm. Huh? Mm-hmm. They're clearly seen. Mm-hmm. And so, obviously, that was something that was part of their, their thinking when they realized about God. They were trying to make that connection, but yet they couldn't realize really the the, the 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 true or the all the meaning of it because guess what they realized he was a god they could not see right. he was an invisible god right. and that's what the lord was saying he said there's only one you're my witnesses there's only one there's there, is there a god beside me yea there is no god i know not any so you see that and then you see in, in <clears throat> next chapter over 45 you read verse number two, and it says, I will go before thee and make the crooked places straight. I will break in pieces the gates of brass and cut in sunder the bars of iron. And, and uh, he says, uh, and I will give thee the treasures of darkness and hidden riches of secret places that thou mayest know that I, the Lord, which call thee by thy name, and the God of Israel. Woo! For Jacob, my servant's sake, and Israel, mine elect, I have I have even called thee by thy name. I have surnamed thee, though thou hast not known me. Woo! Think about that. I am the Lord, and there is none else. There is no God beside me. I gird at thee, though thou hast not known me. Wow. So there was a time before you and I ever came to that understanding. Hallelujah. You ever wonder why your parents named you? The names they have given you? We think it's oh man, I wish you know. Uh, I was just I was just to remember in high school when some of my friends and and some of my my female friends they always used to tease me. They say Harold, you know. So my for, so my my uh, my uh, friends my my uh, my my the, the guys in my class all the, all the guys uh, they called me H A L Hal. That's what they call me, Hal. 
And but the girls always say Harold. So every time say, you could tell Harold, you know, it's like oh man, <laughs> can't ever get away from that. Yeah. How you doing, Harold? You know. But I never realized this until I got saved. And, and one time I asked my mom, I said, Mom, how can you name me Harold? And she said, well, we named you after the two people that, you know, really have been an influence to me and your dad. And they were Episcopal ministers, Harold Luxon and John Lurvie. I said, okay. <laughs> All right. Okay. You know what happened when my mom brought me home from the hospital? I was born premature, so I spent, uh, I think she said it was like five, six weeks in the hospital. They couldn't bring me home. They wanted to make sure my my uh, organs were all, you know, developed and everything. So I had to stay in the hospital. So the day they brought me home from the hospital, they had a fellowship meeting at the uh, St. James Episcopal Church there, which is not there in White River no more. It used to be outside of White River. And they had a group meeting, a fellowship meeting, and Brother Richie probably knows about these. He was Presbyterian. They called it Brotherhood of Christian Unity, BCU. And uh, so anyway, my mom and my dad went after me, and they, on the way back, they went to that BCU meeting and went inside there and set me down. And there was an elderly lady, and I can't remember her name, but she was sitting there, and she went up to my mom. She said, so is that your son? And she said, yes, that's him. We just brought him back from the hospital. She said, can I look at him? So she said, okay. She opened up my blanket and showed him. She said, he's small. She said, yeah, he was born premature. She said, but he's going to be a big man and he's going to be a preacher someday. That's what that elderly lady said. So when she told me that, it was just like blew my mind. So, I, so, so here's the thing. Here's the thing. We think our names... We, we, you know, we look at we, we, our names and go, oh, man, why did you name me that? But you know what? I, I never realized this. Harold means this. Harold means a leader or a army leader. Somebody that leads somebody into battle. Woo! When I found that out, woo-hoo! So here he is saying, you know, you, you can apply this to yourself. Because here the Lord is telling them, he said that, I called thee by thy name. Before you even knew me, I have even called thee by thy name. I have surnamed thee, though thou hast not known me. So Sister Sierra. Do you know what Sierra means? You don't know what it means? A mountain. There you go. Sierra. Praise God. So think about your name. Praise God. There's something about it. God knows. God has had his hand upon us. So he said, I am the Lord and there is none else. In verse number five, there is no God beside me. I girded thee though thou hast not known me. Man, that they may know from the rising of the sun and from the west that there is none 
beside me. I am the Lord and there is none else. So you think about that. You think about that. It's amazing. Just one God. One God. Hallelujah. Amen. <laughs> you go into uh, 46. Let's go to 46, Isaiah. Verses 8 and 9. Remember this and show yourselves men. Bring it again to mind, O ye transgressors. <laughs> oh, Lord. Remember the former things of old, for I am God, and there is none else. I am God, and there is none like me. There's actually nobody on earth that is like him. Amen. <laughs> That's right. Amen. Amen. That's right. <laughs> you think about that, and I always say that when I pray, when I'm in, you know, when I'm when I'm talking to him, and I just tell him, I said, Lord, there's nobody on earth like you. Amen. You yep. are the only That's one God, right. the true God, the That's living right. God. Yes. Amen. Amen. There's none like you, Lord, in all That's the right. earth. Amen. You're all by yourself. Amen. That's his wow. uniqueness. Man, that's amazing, isn't it? Yes. So you think about that and praise God. It's, it's something, but uh, when, when we realize and understand what it is that, that you, and, you and I, you and I know, you and I have experienced. Now, let me ask you a question, everybody that's sitting in here. Has that understanding made a difference in the way you see God? Yes. Amen. 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 That's right. And it's made an understanding in the relationship you have had that you have with him. Amen. Because when you know, here's the beautiful thing about it. We, we we always tend to take it for granted and we say, Well, you know, yes, we believe in one God. <laughs> Are you a, a one God person? And I always remember somebody's always referring to me. You're, so you're Jesus only. And I, and I say, no, I'm not Jesus only. Well, you believe in one God. I said, yep. So you're Jesus only. I said, no, I'm not. Well, if you're not Jesus only, what are you then? I said, I'm Jesus everything. Right. Amen. Jesus is the Father. Yes. He is the Son and He's yes. the Holy Ghost, but He's yes. one. Yes. Jesus everything. Yes. Not three persons, nope. three manifestations, yes. three attributes of God. That's how you yes. see it. Amen. And a lot of people say, I, that's kind of hard for me to, to try to wrap my mind around. Well, guess what? Why would it be hard for God to make himself a body that right. he lived in and he walked in? As the Bible says, John 1.14, that he dwelt among us. He, he tabernacled among us. Why is that hard? so hard for you to understand? Because that's just the way God is. God's wonderful. Amen. And so, that's right. you know, we when we have that when we have that understanding, and you you might think to yourself, well, you know, my my dad taught me that when I was growing up, and so that's why I understand it. 
And that's why I believe it, because my dad taught me that. And my mom taught me that, or my grandpa taught me that, or somebody taught it to you. But let me tell you something. It wasn't just what you heard. It's not just what was given to you in the scripture. It has to be a revelation that comes to you, that you come to that understanding, that you know who he is. Your spirit bears witness with his spirit. Ooh. So I wouldn't think of it like-mindedly like, oh yes, I, I, I'm a one God person. <laughs> I say that because there's only one God. Right. Amen. That's right. Hallelujah. Kind of amazes me how, now this is teaching now, we're doing this morning. Alright? But it kind of amazes me how people want to avoid that topic and if you're going to avoid that topic then don't read your scripture because the scripture talks about it it's in the scripture so so obviously when you read the scripture you don't really pay attention to all the things that are even in the scripture hallelujah hallelujah somebody said one time they told me they said I don't see it <laughs> I said, well, you know what? Maybe God hasn't revealed it to you. Right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yep. That's right. Hallelujah. That's right. Hallelujah. And he will. Yes, he will. If you open your heart up to him. Yes, that's right. That's the key. Amen. I had to do this. This is how I used to believe. Yeah. Uh, yep. uh, yep. So it was always like this. But when I came to, amen, that understanding, when God came into my life and saved me, guess what? I don't do this no more. I do this. That's right. Amen. <laughs> That's right. One. You know what that is? Anybody know what that is? That's change. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. amen. Amen. Because you're not this anymore. You're this. Right. That's change. Yes. Amen. That's right. changed. God has changed you yes. because you, the truth has been revealed to you. Ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Amen. Wow. Amen. And so when you come to that understanding, guess what? You're not this anymore. You're this. Amen. Now you see clearly. Yes. Amen. Now your vision, your sight of God is, amen, not obscure. You see it clearly because God has revealed himself to you. Man, he's made it personal. Right. Amen. Ooh. Amen. That's what I love about this message. I could go on all day about this. Amen. Amen. Amen because this is beautiful. Amen. So when Amen. you think about it, uh, 1 yes. Corinthians. Uh, let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 8. Excuse me. I'll let you get there. So he says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse number uh, uh, 4. He says this, As concerning therefore the eating of those things that are offered in sacrifice unto idols, we know that an idol is nothing in the world, 
and that there is none other God but one. <laughs> For though there be that are called gods, whether in heaven or in earth, as there be gods many and lords many. But to us, there is but one God, one God, the Father, Amen. <laughs> of whom are all things, and we in him, and one Lord Jesus Christ, by whom are all things, and we by him. So you, you look and you see what he's saying here, what he's speaking about in, in the scripture and he's saying that, obviously, he said, there's, there's, we know and we understand there's but one God, the Father, and of whom are all things, and, and we and him. And so he's talking about God, obviously, being the creator of all things, of whom are all things, and we and him. We're in him. And, and one Lord Jesus Christ. Now look, now look what he says. And one. And one. And one. But listen to this. If we really want to, as far as interpret what the scripture is saying, of course, here's, here's, here's a place where that Greek word chi, you, look at it, you can look it up in your concordance if you want to, chi. Chi in the sense here could be used in two ways. Look it up. I'm telling this because I researched this and I found this out. Chi, could, you could use this word two ways. You could say, and they chose the King James Version, the, the scholars that, that uh, translated the King James Version chose the word and. And one, one Lord Jesus Christ. But you can also, the other option is the word Kai. I wonder why it is they chose not to use that other option of the word Kai, even. Amen. Mm -hmm. right. So if, if we want to read it in the sense that the, if we have the, the authority of, of understanding certain words in the Greek, if we want to read it as, as the way it should have been translated, it should be, but to, but to us there is but one God, the Father, of whom are all things, and we in him, even one Lord Jesus Christ, by whom are all things, and we by him. Because that adds up to what he's saying there. He's confirming, he's making that connection. Even one Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, what, what's Paul saying here? The Lord Jesus Christ is that one God. He is the Father. My, 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 kind of in a sense, going back to the days when, <laughs> and there, there weren't certain things that, that I, you know, that I just jumped into and, you know, I wanted to basically try to somehow prove my point about, uh, about the Lord, about the oneness of God, because I never did. I never tried to prove my point about it. All I did was present scripture. I always present scripture, but there was always somebody that, amen, either refuted, disagreed, or somebody that really wanted to know. So I took it upon myself several times to somehow, in a sense, lead that person to what the Bible was saying. Took it upon myself. To present to them the truth about God. This God that we serve. 
this God that we believe in. So, amen, that's just the way, amen, that things happen. So, so as, as a result of that taking place, amen, uh, that kind of brought me to a point where I was uh, engaged in different debates with different people on the Godhead. It's something, isn't it? Not because I was looking for an argument. Because I wanted to compare. Okay? Ephesians chapter 4, verses 5 and 6, it says, uh, you see there, verse number 3, we'll start with endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, even as ye are called in one hope of your calling. Man, this is what you would call a one the oneness chapter. Yes. <laughs> one body, one spirit. Mm -hmm. Hallelujah. Even as ye are called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith. One baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. Man. So you see how the New Testament obviously alludes to this truth about God. You go over to 1 Timothy chapter 2. 1 Timothy chapter 2. Amen. And verse number 5. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men. The man, Christ Jesus. Who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. Huh. Says, who would all have, who, who will have all men to be saved and come unto the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God. The knowledge of the truth, there is one God. Mm. Hallelujah. So that's something that's, amen, that is pretty amazing when you think about it. Uh, understand. It's comprehensible when you understand that God is a spirit. He is a spirit. John chapter 4 verses 23 and 24 Hallelujah it says but the hour cometh and now is when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in the spirit, in spirit, 
and in truth, for the Father seeketh such to worship him. God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Hallelujah. That's something. Worship him in spirit and in truth. In spirit. God can make his way into your heart, into your mind, into your soul, into your body. He can quicken you. Worship him in spirit and in truth. When he broke down those middle walls of partition and he made it personal for you and I, we understand. Praise God, we come to that understanding. So it's beautiful when we see that. Hallelujah. Uh, Acts chapter 7. <clears throat> Acts chapter 7. Verses 48 and 49 says this, it says, uh, Howbeit the Most High dwelleth not in temple made with hands, as saith the prophet. Heaven is my throne, and earth is my footstool. What house will ye build me, saith the Lord, or what is the place of my rest? Woo! <laughs> Wow. Thank you, Jesus. <clears throat> kind of, when you understand what Jesus was saying to the Samaritan woman, he said, neither in this mountain nor, nor either at Jerusalem will you worship the Father. Because God is going to make it personal. Our, our worship is going to be personal. Because right then and there, you have to go through certain uh, laws just to be able to, amen, enter the court of the temple. You could not even go into the temple. You could only come so far as far as the court of the Israelites. That was the closest anybody could get to God. The only persons that were able to even get close to him, and it was just one person, was the high priest when he made his way into that veil. He was the only person that was able to access the presence of God behind that veil. Can you think about that? You wonder how many worshipers were wanting to say, and, and I, you know, when you read uh, Josephus' account of, you know, he, he talks a little bit about, uh, you know, the, the Jews and, and, and the, when they worship in the temple and, of course, uh, during the Feast of, uh, of Tabernacles and the Atonement and... and uh, the, sacri the sacrificing of the red heifer for cleansing. He said the way the, the temple was situated, he said when, when the doors opened to the temple and it opened up to that the gate there for the court of, uh, court of Israel and going down and you coming into the opening to the, uh, the beautiful gate and then the eastern gate, whoever that person was, 
when they when they looked into the temple, they could see into the temple through the eastern gate, through the beautiful gate, and that gate going up to the court of Israel into the temple doors. You could see right into not the holiest of all, the holy the holy of holies, but the whole where the where the where the the altar of incense was. You could see that right directly into. You could see that portion of the temple. So they would have that uh, line of sight. Well, they could see. Could you imagine how they felt when they got a glimpse? How many of you would probably be standing at the door going like this? Huh? Just to just to get a glimpse at, you know, you, you, you didn't see the glory of God, but you got pretty close. You got to see the 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 holiest of all, the, the holy place where amen the, the showbread and the altar of incense and the candlesticks. Once you got that glimpse, you go, oh man. Wow. You wonder how people, what people thought. Of course, you know, back in those days, you know, it was a little bit segregated. You know, the men were the only ones that were allowed to be right up there where the sacrifices were taking place. And the court of the women, of course, they were down a little further going into the temple, into the precinct. And then the Gentiles were totally excluded. They, they, if they wanted to see anything, they had to go to the beautiful gate and try to get a glimpse. Ooh, I, I want to access God. Amen, amen. I wonder if that's what some of them thought. Oh, I wish I could just get in there just to see Him. Right. Just to behold His glory, His feel His presence. Because they, you know, obviously they couldn't feel that. They didn't. They didn't have the uh, amen ability to feel His presence. But here was Jesus. He came and He, He took that away. He said. The hour is coming and now is when God, when the Father is calling such to worship in spirit and in truth. So what does he do? He opens it up for us so that we can worship him in spirit. You know what that is? You notice that? It doesn't say capital S, does it? It's, it's a small S, isn't it? So you know what that's meaning? That's your spirit. Worship him in your spirit and in truth. Because that's what God does for us. So he opened up that, that way of worship so that we can, amen, he can come into us and we can be blessed with his presence. My, 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 my. Acts, what did I say? Acts 7? 7, 48, 49. Okay, howbeit the most high dwelleth not in temples made with hands, as saith the prophet, heaven is my throne and earth is my footstool. What house will you build me, saith the Lord? Or what is the place of my rest? <laughs> my, my. We're definitely blessed people, aren't we? Yes. Amen. We're blessed uh, to have the experience we have. Uh, Acts chapter 17. My Lord. And verse number, <clears throat> excuse me, 24. Verse number 24, God that made the world and all things therein. Seeing that he is Lord of heaven and earth, dwelleth not in temples made with hands. Here we go again. Neither is worship with men's hands, as though he needeth anything, seeth, seeing he giveth to all life and breath and all things. And... 
hath made of one blood all nations of men for to dwell in all the face of the earth and hath determined the times before appointed and the bounds of their habitation. My. That they should seek the Lord if happily they might feel after him and find him though he be not far from every one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being, as certain also of your prophet, your poets have said, for we are also his offspring. Wow. For as much then as we are the offspring of God, we, not, we ought not to think that the Godhead is like unto gold or silver, are stone graven by art or man's hand. In the times of this ignorance, God winked at, but now commandeth all men everywhere to repent. My Lord Jesus, here we are. Mighty God, here we are. So we are definitely blessed people to be to understand and to know this. It's not something that, amen, that we are, praise God, ignorant of, as Paul said, because as he stated, for the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so they are without excuse. This is something. <laughs> I remember giving a Bible study to a group of people, probably about 28, 30 people. They weren't Jesus' name. They came from different backgrounds as far as their beliefs were concerned. There I was. And uh, they wanted to know about God, so I began to share with them about God. And when I did, tell you what, some of them began to realize and understand some things to the point where they, they were getting excited about it. Understanding certain things in the scripture and making the comments, man, I never knew that was there. Well, it's right there. Yes, it's in the scripture. Go on and go on. Give them more scripture and they will see it and they will say, wow, that is something. But you can see that light shining. You can see, you can feel that excitement, man. Somebody, some people were coming to a revelation and understanding something they've never had before. You know what made a difference for them? Because they were searching. Amen. They were hungry. Amen. They were thirsty. Wow. And so they were just so blessed by it. <coughs> Time is up, so we'll stop here this morning. Thank you for coming this morning. And uh, get our little break here and come back at 2. See everybody in here back at 2. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Greet one another. You're all dismissed in Jesus' name. Thank you for coming. <coughs>